Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Rick George, 29 years of career and volunteer experience, retired five years ago as a driver with Palm Beach Fire Rescue in Florida, author of Developing Firefighter Resiliency, creator and owner of Tactical Resiliency Training. Rick's ground support in life first and foremost is God and his love for all he has done and been through. This episode is far different from all the others, and after listening, you'll understand why. With that, I present Mr. Rick George. My name's Rick George, and uh, getting into the fire service was a dream I always had as a kid. I um, I didn't know it at the time. Uh, I found out in hindsight, uh, my mom gave me this book after I had been in the fire service, and um she it was a was like one of them little books that they keep down when you're a kid you know with your report cards and all this a lock of hair and what your aspirations were and it was always doctor fireman doctor fireman and um my old man was a surgeon and uh he's an orthopedic surgeon and so um i don't know where the fireman came from i have no idea and uh but it, it's something that i'd always strive to be in and when i got um as it's gonna sound funny when I got sober in 1987, I was like, oh, shit, I could pass the entrance exam now, you know, and because um, I was just a dirty dog, man. It was just was not it was not uh, I wouldn't wish that lifestyle on anyone. But there's a lot of learning that took place there. Got into the fire service and um, doors started opening. Things started happening. Dreams started unfolding. I just my life got really good. Uh, I, I don't know how you explain to somebody that you get to go to work it's not even like work. It's mm-hmm. like a reprieve from being at home. It's like a vacation from being at home. Not really. You, you know, we all know what's in, involved in that, but it's the guys that I worked with that bond, you know, it was just so strong. It was, it was, uh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, I never went to work a day in my life while I was in the fire service. They, they actually paid me for this. You know, it was just like, God, fucking jokes on you man i do this shit for free and um and i have um but uh, I've, I've volunteered also but it, it that that's what got me started in the fire service and it was uh it was an amazing ride there was um there was a lot of stuff that a lot of turns a lot of twists and turns and stuff and um but you know if you want to know more about that we'll talk about that but i think you've got some plans for some other stuff brother no it's fine we can we, we I have a list of questions and topics, but any where wherever this conversation leads, I'm I'm totally I'm totally fine with. Um, so my next question to you is, uh, you retired as a driver with Palm Beach Fire Rescue down in Florida. Um, can you tell those that don't know the size of Palm Beach, the amount of stations, personnel, things of that nature? Yeah, we got um, we got one station with a horse and a carriage, and um, it is <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a. Uh, it's 50 plus firehouses. Okay. Um, and we got, I think right now it's somewhere around 2000 people um, okay. combat. It, it's um, it's a large metropolitan fire department. Uh, we have industrial, we have everything. We have everything <laughs> throughout the entire County. And we, uh, we run mutual aid with um, uh, surrounding municipalities and uh, we have a bid system, um, a rescue 
in Palm Beach County is an ambulance mm-hmm. and typically has three people on it. An engine is an engine, typically three people. Um, our ladders are, are actually quints and um, they have uh, four people on them. And um, we got the uh, special ops and, and hazmat and airport and all that other stuff. And uh, they're actually, um, there's just not enough people. I think it's like most departments in the country. There's just not enough people for all the, all the, you know, you want to run, you know, special ops and hazmat combined. And, and they're, those are two individual specialties. You're asking a lot of the men and women that do that job. So uh, the politics in Palm Beach County is probably just as big as the department. Um, and it's ugly. It ain't pretty. And, and um, we've got some history that's uh, we have a lot of history to be proud of. We have a lot of history to not be proud of. Um, all in all, it is pretty much your run-of-the-mill fire department, you know, with the exception of size, you know. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty much, we're pretty much, you know, mirror the average in America. Okay. Okay. Um, so any, anybody that knows you has has definitely heard you on other podcasts before, especially uh, your latest one that you had with uh, John Spear. So I won't, I won't, I won't ask kind of the same questions that he did, but there are certain questions I would like to know. So one of those is how did the firefighter resiliency, how did that spark in you to go, this is an issue. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to develop this plan and idea. Like how did that come about? Uh, God. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a smart dude, but I'm not that smart. God's got his fingerprints all over this. Um, you know, uh, and, and listen, if anybody out there is, is struggling with God, good, good. Cause I struggled for years and it's through that struggle that it's made me the person that I am now and come to, to the, the convictions that I have now. And, and when you struggle, you're staying true to your integrity and and you want to know the answers. So that's why I say good. Um, the reason I say God is because um, I, uh, it was a series of events. I went through a divorce and I thought I was good and up to that point, And it turns out I wasn't. And the reason is my foundation was um, I'll try to simplify the whole thing. My foundation was my wife and my kids was my family. And when that got fractured, everything that I had built off of that started to fall. And so the reason I say um, God is because God is my foundation now and nothing going to fracture that. So anything I build off of that ain't never going to fall. And if you don't understand it, good. If you understand it, great. Okay. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole minutia of that, but it led me to being so broken. um, I was going to take my own life. Um, I, I had been sober uh, double digits. I don't know. It's been, I'm sober 36 years now. And, um, I was, uh, I had to been 19, 19 years, 18, 19, 20 years sober at the time. And, uh, the thought of drinking or getting high never entered my mind. It would just put a, put a marble in my grape, boom, and end it. And, uh, I had a moment of clarity and thought about my kids and I don't, I don't know where that came from because I was so caught up in the desperation that um, you, you really don't think about anything else. It's all about you. 
It's, it's, you know, and, it, and it's all about how, how do I alleviate this insanity, this pain, this, this, uh, darkness, this, this, it's just terrible, you know? And, and, um, it's the intrusive thoughts and you can't control your emotions. You can't sleep. So, you know, with the lack of sleep, everything compounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, I asked for help and, uh, you know, I, I, I was, you know, when you're desperate, you will grasp at anything. I don't give a shit who you are. When you're desperate, you will go, right. you can ask any lifeguard or anybody to try to help somebody to swim. And when you drown in, you will grasp for anything. And, um, that's what I started doing. And, uh, I, uh, I went to a, a, a writ seminar and Polly Capo was doing the writ seminar and, and we got to talking afterwards and cause he was using some language that perked my ears up and, and piqued my interest. Cause I thought it was shit I discovered, you know, and, and it wasn't, it's very well-known stuff and it's through sports psychology and the military has employed it. He made some introductions to Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, uh, his book to me. I read his book and, um, I, I stalked him. I, I freaking scoured the internet. I ended up with his phone number. It turned out to be his house. His accountant, who's, I guess, a friend of his, answered the phone. And um, the, the communication started with him. And he is the, that was, that's the story of the beginning of how, um, how Rick George got made whole or as close to whole as possible again. So, um, it, it is, I take no credit for any of this stuff. Um, I, I never, did, I never, never at any time did I ever want to do a, a class like this or teach around the country like this or, or write a book or do podcasts or it was never my aspirations. Right. Would it have been cool? Yeah, it's freaking cool. Come on. Who wouldn't? Ah, yeah. That sounds like fun, you know? Um, and, and come on, man, I don't drink. I don't get high. You know, I smoke cigars. I mean, I got to have some fun. So this stuff is fun. I like it. You know, um, every once in a while I'll speed and break the speed limit too. So, so, uh, I live on the edge, bro. Don't try to slow me down. I'll take you with me, you know? Um, so I, I, uh, he introduced me to Gavin DeBecker who introduced me to his senior executive, Robert Martin, and that that he introduced me to uh, Dr. Andy Morgan. Uh, Dr. Andy Morgan uh, was a Yale graduate. Uh, so um, Gavin DeBecker was in in Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman's words, "quote the grandfather of stress inoculation for the military." I was like, "Okay, sounds like a guy I want to talk to." Um, so I I. I, I left him a voicemail. He gave me his number. I left him a voicemail. I got a return call from his senior executive, Robert Martin. So Robert Martin helped me along with Grossman start putting drills together to get Rick comfortable with the uncomfortability. Right. Mm-hmm. So John Spira talks about, you know, embracing, you know, the uncomfortability and, and the fire service has a, a little moniker that's relatively well-known embrace the suck, you mm-hmm. know, and, and lean into it and things like that. And that's what they were teaching me how to do. So, um, and then Dr. Annie Morgan was uh, a Yale graduate, works within, I'm in Florida, so if you can't tell, that's why I'm dressed like, it's, it's December and I'm, you know. Nice. And, and, and yeah, it is nice. And and uh, he works in Pensacola, which is in North Florida, and he works with the dive team. So Pensacola is a big military town, and um, it's where they do waterproofing and stuff like that. And he tests them. He came up 
with the testing that he does, which is blood. Okay. okay. And um, on the successful people had a much higher level of neuropeptide Y. Now this is important because it fills the stress receptors, right? Okay. And so it allows people like you'll see some people that stay relatively calm, you know, in combat. And I'm talking about fire. Okay. Um, and they're, they're calm and cool under pressure. So there's two ways to get there. One is the neuropeptide Y, which is a, a, a natural way. And the second way is through training and experience and immersion in that type of thing. The more that you're around it, the more it just becomes familiar, normal, it's normalized. So he explained some aspects that were missing to, and, and, and I dropped these names for a reason, because I think it's important that people understand that it's important to me that Rick George didn't invent any of this shit. I took what sports psychologists did the military took it and created it for the military law enforcement did there. I did one for the fire service, but the reason that I did it was to put me back together again. And so I have a, a good friend of mine who, uh, who told me, you know, he came by the firehouse. He was a chief at the time, it was Curtis Rice. And he came by the firehouse and he says, Hey man, that would make a really great class. And I was like, you think so? He says, yeah, now, the history that I have with Curtis is that I went to work with Curtis when he was a lieutenant and captain at the time. And I worked with him because this guy was brilliant when it came to putting together classes. And so I got to learn from him how to do that from an instructor perspective. Invaluable. Helped me tremendously. And so when he made this, you know, that recommendation, I took him serious. I was like, okay, I'll do it. And people were coming to me and going, Hey, I noticed you've been doing this kind of training. Do you mind if I come over and we train together? I'm like, no, come on. Before you know it, there's five, six of us doing this training. And I don't think anybody knew that I was fucking coming apart at the seams, bro. Mm -hmm. I couldn't keep a mask on my face. The anxiety was so bad. I couldn't sleep at night with a sheet over my face. I couldn't lay on my stomach. You know, I couldn't, it was fucking terrible. It was the only chance and hope that I would have is if we went to a fire, I put my mask on at the last minute because once I'm inside and working, I'm good. Mm -hmm. But you give me about 15, 20 seconds of downtime, my mind starts wandering and I couldn't recognize it as my mind wandering. But that's when it came, the anxiety. And um, so that's that was the impetus for the beginning of the classes. And I hooked up with Bob Carpenter who is uh, one of the other authors for the book and um, brought in Dave Gillespie, who's a, he's the third author of the book. Uh, Bobby worked for Miami Dade as a captain and uh, Dave is in Peterborough, Canada as a captain. And um, we got together and it was the three of us teaching this and we called it the monster within and um, that class was designed to learn how to utilize the techniques and how people would react so that we could familiarize ourselves with the tells. The tells are the things that people do. So we would do radio traffic and you hear people that can't stop talking or screaming. Yell, That's called nervous chatter. That's a tell, right? People that search very, very slowly and methodical. I'm just being methodical. They're not comfortable. They're unsure. Okay. That's a, that's a tell. Um, sorry. I know the wind. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Go you're good. So um, 
we, we started learning things like that for ourselves and, and then how hard we could push people. And then we started experimenting with biometrics, which is uh, we would monitor people's uh, temperature, heart rate, heart rate variability, respiratory rate. And there was a fifth one too. I can't recall what it is. I don't, it wasn't blood pressure. Um, anyways, um, we, we, we started monitoring that kind of thing. It might've been oxygen saturation. I can't recall. Um, well, it's 15 years ago when mm-hmm. we were doing this. Mm-hmm. So um, this is not something new. This is, we've had this in the works for a long, long time. And, and then as we got better, um, we, uh, I, you know, just, there was an interest, like in the beginning, when we would do a class, people would look at us like we're going a dick out of our forehead. They'd be like, what are you guys talking about? They couldn't quite get it. And there were no examples in the fire service. So we're trying to utilize military and law enforcement and everyday examples off videos from YouTube and Bravest and all this other stuff. And uh, that's when I had a phone call with, uh, oh, goodness, what was, um, anyways, we'll come back to that. So we started getting examples and we started utilizing them because we started recognizing them. Um, and the class started to evolve. The book came together. We wrote the book because the term was being used. Resiliency was being used in a way that was, it was just being bastardized. Um, and so we, I I told them, I go, listen, and I don't know where it came from. Right. I know where it came from, you know, as that's just God's work. He works mysteriously, bro. Mm -hmm. Cause I never had aspirations to write. I was like, we need to write a book. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, we need to write a book because this is that important. It saved my life. And in the process between that, starting the class to learn about myself Mm -hmm. and bringing it into um, writing a book, it was, I so many people would contact me. Danny, um, you know, when men contact you and tell you, they're going to kill themselves. And to me, and, and how embarrassing it was for them to have to go through what they were going through. To me, that was, that was like the greatest honor. You couldn't, you couldn't give me gold doesn't compare to that. These guys are trusting me, you know? And so now what happens, the dynamics change because now it's like, this is not about me. Now I have to immerse myself in every aspect of this. If I am going to freaking talk this talk and I did. And um, so between that time with those phone calls and everything, I, I told them, I said, we got to write the book because this is important. I said, but it can't come from a mental health perspective. We have to challenge the fire service the way they're training people. Um, so that's what we did. And, and, and that's, that's how I got whole, but there was the, the other side of that is this whole mental perspective. Um, so I, I work at, at a rehab and I have been for the last 11 years. I've okay. worked at a couple different, three different rehabs. The one that I'm at now is in Lake Worth, Florida. And um, I work with uniformed personnel, my entire, all that. And it's for substance abuse and mental health. And everything that they talk about that, that I help them with, I facilitate groups. And um, I talk about my experiences. I don't, I don't tell them a story like I'm telling you. Right. I mean, I, I've been, 
you know, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I've had suicide ideation. I've had substance abuse issues. Um, I've had, you know, I've had problems controlling my emotions, especially early on in my life. I was a very violent man and, and uh, everything was solved that way because I didn't know any other way. I, I, I couldn't control my emotions. So what we're talking about is number one is the ruminative state. Okay. Which starts with what you're telling yourself. It's self-talk. Um, I, d- I didn't know anything about breathing and breathing is the neural hack combined with visualization and the visualization, which is also mental rehearsal is utilized to alter the ruminative state. You have to practice to alter that. So when you combine it with breathing, it's a very, very powerful neural hack. You can change the way that you think. You can change the way that you feel when people challenge you, they call you a name, they make fun of you, they do whatever. And if you've been through this, you know, 50 a hundred, a thousand times. It's just like, yeah, whatever, you know, what are they really saying? They're attacking me. Why? Because I'm challenging them or their beliefs. Not like I'm like poking you in the chest, you know, it, you're challenging beliefs and people get, they get scared, bro. They'll fucking, they'll jump back. You know, they'll tell you, you fucking tell me I'm wrong. And, and that's like, no, I'm not telling you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the, the, they're, they're those, those three aspects combined with segmenting and, and segmenting and um, geez, I wrote the fucking book. I can't fucking remember. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So th- there's, there's, there's five aspects of it that, that we cover. Right. Um, right. So the, those things are incorporated in training and performance and that's what, so we do an immersion class. It's called developing tactical uh, resilience and, um, developing tactical performance. And so when we do that, that class is 24 hours. Now we have a cadre of instructors that get it and they can teach it like I can, like, like Bob and and Dave can. And, and so it makes it so much easier. So our maximum in the class is 20 students and the instructor ratio, we got 10 instructors. So there's two instructors or there's an instructor for every two students. Mm -hmm. And that's important because when the student gets to that point, we can't miss it. If we miss it, it gets worse. That's not, that's not the goal. And we're not, we're not training them into the black. There is no training into the black. Anybody that thinks you train into the black, you can't come back when you're in the black, you ain't coming back. And it's just the way that it is. Read the fucking science. It's, it's science, bitch. You know, I mean, I'm not making that shit up. Mm-hmm. So that was all part of the learning process. That was part of writing it in the book. It was part of why we approached it from that perspective. And so, um, and then that led to these, the refinement of these immersion classes. And then God started putting men in my life that had struggled and overcome and come out the other side. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's, that's my mofo right there. That's the guy I need in my class because the men that, that come to our class, some of them are freaking just, well, almost all of them are, a lot of them are high speed, low drag guys, right? And and then there's, you got the regular guys, and then you got the guys that are near retirement, want to challenge themselves, they've taken tests and whatever. And and this is not a normal, it's not your typical class. It's not a beat down, but we will ride you like Zorro for the first 12 hours because it's important that we physically exhaust the body. Because that's not where our work is. We're not in for technique. I don't mean you force a door however you want, but we're going to do it 2,500 times and you're going to get tired. You're going to be able to raise your arms. You're going to be exhausted. The mind gets, the body gets tired. The mind gets sloppy. 
that's when we climb in and do our work. So imagine doing for 24 hours, we do some classroom work, then we go out, we do hands-on classroom work, hands-on classroom work, hands-on. We're constantly reviewing what we're doing. And so that's the repetitive nature and the intensity is gradually building over a 24 hour period. So we're doing it under relatively realistic conditions. And let me qualify realistic. Realistic is the level of stress that you will be put under to get you sloppy. That means you're running a 24 hour tour. You haven't had any sleep. It's been a nightmare tour. You've had pediatric drownings. You've saved, you know, you pulled burned bodies out of a four-story building that was on fire. And 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 now you're getting a residential and you've had car accidents. Just been a, an overwhelming shift, right? And um, and let's say you go through those periods. Like, I mean, we've all experienced it. You've been in a fire service long enough. You seem to like hit these these periods of time where it's just like, holy crap, did somebody just pump the brakes because it's just the nature of things that you're going to see. And then you'll go for months and not see anything, you know? And so it, it happens like that. So we try to recreate that stress, right? And between the ears, right? I call it the six inches of real estate between your ears. And, um, and we do. And so when that happens, all kinds of things come up. Divorces, deaths, um, you know, just anxieties in general, things like that come up because you will overload the body. The mind gets overloaded. It's not familiar with where it is. And even if it is familiar with where it is, maybe your technique is not a good tech or the best technique. Let me put it that way. A better technique, right? We will give you an option for a better technique because ours, ours is all about taking the negative and creating a positive. We want to take your weakness and develop it into a strength. And so, and there's a process we do from the very, very beginning with the instructors and, and the instructors are, if we want our students to be vulnerable with us, we have to be vulnerable with them. Mm -hmm. So the stories, so the stories go on and the introductions and a lot of men are not ready for that. They're like, what the fuck? And then they break into groups and they have to do it too. And so the instructors will walk around and, and, you know, they'll, we'll listen into what's going on and stuff. And we're looking for specific things. Right. And, and uh, because we can pick out, we can pick out who the people not all the time, but we, we have an idea of, okay, this guy's going to have a breakthrough or, or this guy's going to have a breakdown, you know, and stuff like that. And so back to what you were saying, none of that had anything to do with Rick George. That's all God. I, I am, uh, I, I give you, I'm a smart guy and I'm a quick study, but I'm not all about that. I am not, I don't even, try to i don't even try to steal that glory god gets all that i i am i am uh that was the piece that was missing for me for a long time i talked about that with john and and when that happened um that allowed me to kind of look at myself in a proper perspective and it's a very humbling thing so that's that's kind of that's how i would thread that the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I know it's long, but it, it, no, it deserves, it deserves the attention because it's important, you know? 
No, what I, else I, you got? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take I, the next question and light a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's it's one of the greatest answers that you know to a question that I've ever heard. Um, because it always it always just I always wonder like what 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 I call it what breaker gets tripped that yeah that's the a good way to put it, bro. To to go, I'm gonna do this or do that. But with your training that you have, uh, I'm sure done numerous times. Uh, have you had success stories? Have you had firefighters reach out and go, "Hey, man, I, I used to be at this point, but through through this, that, and the other of 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 um, completing the, the the resiliency training, you have forever changed the course of my life in this way." All the time. All the time. And I tell them, I go, listen, just remember what I told you, bro. That wasn't me, you know, and, and that is now going to be you. So if Danny was to call me and say, if you were to call and say, Hey bro, man, what a game changer. This is, this is unbelievable. My next piece of advice would be Danny, get ready and develop it because the men and women will be coming to you next because they will recognize it. And they will see there's a level of humility that comes with that. This is not one of those beat your chest things, you know. Mm -hmm. This is a, an, an inward journey. This is not an outward journey. This ain't about how salty your helmet looks. This ain't about how fast you can do shit. This is an inward journey. And that inward journey cultivates virtues such as humility. And humility affects the outward effect. It, it affects the way you are seen outwardly. And so people will trust you. They will gravitate you, to you for that, you know, and, and they will share things with you that they wouldn't have shared with anybody else. And that right there is such an honor to, to have people trust you at that level, bro. I mean, it is. Uh, and yeah, and, the, and they are successful. And, and it used to really it used to really like blow me away because our info was spot on. But yeah, it's spot on. That's 12 years of research. That's that's not just, you know, one little gamey thing. That's 12 years of research, bro. With, I mean, military psychologists, sports psychologists. Uh, that's personal, personal things that I've gone through from substance abuse to PTSD to uh, EMDR, uh, hypnosis, um, uh, exposure therapy. I've had biofeedback, neurofeedback, neurostim, mind mapping, um, microdosing. So that's 10, 10 treatments that I have been through personally experienced. So to rewind back to the, the rehab that I work at, and when, and when I talk to men on a personal level about personal things, I only talk about the shit that I've been through, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, that's called staying in your lane. You start giving it, I start giving advice about shit I don't know. That's about me. When I share with you honestly and openly, that's about God, you know, and it, okay. and it, what it does, it cultivates unity. And, and I mean, we got a, one of our shirts for the, for, for our cadre says that alone you go fast, but together we go far, you know, and that's the fire service, bro. Together we go far. That's what the, you know, the company is about, you know, that's why guys train so hard and so vigilant, you know, and, get together afterwards. Families get to know each other. So it's not your wife going, God damn it, Danny, you're going over to Rick George's house again. What the hell are you guys doing? She knows my wife, Joanne. Mm -hmm. So if you've got any questions, she called Joe up. 
Jojo will tell her, you know, yeah. She, yeah, they're over here talking smack, you know, or they're over here doing work, you know? Okay. Okay. So th- this, this next question, it's, it's kind of a deep question, but it's your opinion only. So you but, know how you always hear fire departments are paramilitary, which I will say some are, I'm not going to say all because the military has a strict way. If you deviate from this policy, you go down this road. If you deviate from this policy, you go down said next road. Whereas the training that the military gives its members regarding what you regarding tact, tactical resiliency, in your opinion only, do you feel like the fire department? Or, or fire departments are failing the their workforce by not preparing them for that. Like you, you know what I mean. Like there, there, there are some departments out there that give watered down training. As soon as, like, for example, you might have a department where they're get, they're doing some sort of uh, live burn training, and it gets a little hot. And let's say one person comes out, rips their mask off, and you know they don't correct the behavior they just hey is he okay is he okay get him some water we just want to make sure you know like they care but that's not doing that individual any favors because that's potentially what you're going to face in the real world shit's going to get hot that's right you know so in, in yeah. your, in, do, do you feel like i feel like we're, we're certain municipalities fire departments around the nation are failing their members with that that's why we wrote the book you're right. I I wouldn't go. Uh, yes, they are failing their 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 they're failing their people. Um, but I I don't think it's intentional. I think it's this is the way we've always done. You know, it's a hundred years of tradition unimpeded by progress. <laughs> you know, it, it is. Uh, and and in reality, I don't think a lot of them know. I don't think they understand. I don't think they get it. You know, um, I I think that. So let me give you an example. In the last fifteen years, neuroscience has come forward so far, so fast that in my lecture, I can show you a video of neurons and neural pathways real time in the brain the fuck do you get shit like that i mean how do you even know what you're looking at a dendrite and a neural pathway and brain changes and they can recognize it and all this so the the fire service bobby halton used to say the fire service is like an, uh, an aircraft carrier it turns but it turns very very slowly you know and that's what we do we change very very slowly look at the advent of air packs you know Nobody wore an air pack. You wear an air pack, you know, it, it was, you're one of those, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and, and then hoods on all my ears, you know, and then the new gear, which is lighter. And, and then we do things like put on a, you know, pre-connects. So the art of estimating a stretch is lost, you know, which is always important. Um, we, we try to, compound everything into one thing so i want an aerial truck that can also pump on a fire scene and is small enough to rat around town oh i got what you need we'll build a quint 
And now they're like, okay, well now instead of buying a ladder truck and putting a dedicated ladder company, right. Which is indoor outdoor event on a fire um, or indoor outdoor ops. The, they, 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 they're like, okay, we've got a, an apparatus that can, it, we can act them as an engine or we can act them a, as a truck. And, and it, it, it so sometimes I think there's departments that actually need that, right? They just don't have the manpower. They don't have the staffing. So mm-hmm. I get it. Okay. What's the excuse for a department that has a $500 million budget that does that shit? There's no excuse. You know what it is? It's a learned behavior and a bias that's created thinking that everything is okay. And this is how we've always done it, which is the same in a lot of other fucking places, right? There's a place right up the road. I know a lot of brothers up there in freaking, you know, in Charleston. And they'll tell you, that's the fucking way we've done it for a hundred and something fucking years until some brothers died. You know? right. And there were right. some other things too in, the, right. in that aspect. Um, but so I, I think some of it is out of arrogance and some of it is out of ignorance. I just don't know. I'd like to think that there's more of, I just don't know. And even if they do recognize it, they don't know how to implement it. Um, so I think that the more that there is, and there's so many people out discussing this now. It's so awesome to see, you know, because guys are like in the, you know, a couple of years back, guys would call me, Oh bro. This guy's teaching your stuff at this class, you know, and, and I'm like, good. And they're like, what? I'm like, good. That's what you're supposed to be doing. You learn shit and you take it and you teach and you build on it. You make it better. Keep it the same or make it better. I don't care. Just don't teach it and bastardize it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's spreading, which is wonderful. That's what you want. That's what this whole thing was about. When, when you hold a weapon in your mouth and you know what the taste of gun oil tastes like, when a man tells you or a woman tells you that they're desperate, you know what that feels like. And so the rest of everything else out the window, nothing else fucking matters at that point. It's all about that at that moment right here, right now. And, and so, you know, we talk about the suicide rate, just a real quick deviation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. suicide rate. You know, I, I, I mean, we go on about it, you know, for every line of duty death, there's three suicides and that's a non-reporting issue. It could be higher. Right. But what we know, what I know from uh, Dr. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'd love to give her credit. I forgot her name. This is terrible. I swear to you. I, 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 <laughs> it's, it, sucks, it, it happens. It she, happens when I'm trying to She's kept the stats. And it's for every one of those, there's 285 that survive, okay. that thrive. And we're not focusing on the thriving aspect. We're mm-hmm. focused on this. And we should have been focused on that because are we responsible for it? Partly, yes. You know, we still know. You know what? I mean, when I got hired and I was sober, right? When I got hired, they go to a bar and drank. You know, there was beer in the Coke machine, you know, it was under a Dr. Pib, I think is what it was. You put money in for a Dr. Pib, you got a Budweiser or something, you know? And, and it, it was, it was okay. It was okay. Now smoking weed was not tolerated, you know, but, and now look at the reversal. Now it's, everybody's got a medical marijuana card and I can smoke weed. It's my doctor prescribed it. You got a driver's license too. You go buy alcohol. You still got to show up fit for duty. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what the doctor says. 
You know, you still have to show up fit for duty. You know, and if you're taking that for anxiety, the tetrahydrocannabinol in 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 weed, when you smoke, when you smoke freaking, you know, blunt, the THC is what gets you high. The THC also can create anxiety. So if you're dealing with it to calm you down and for anxiety, you need to go to a CBD that is no THC in it, and they're out there. I forget how many there are, like 20, 30, 40 different types of CBD. And they have an interaction that there is a medicinal value for those. I mean, they have a place, you know, with this whole medical marijuana card thing, man, shut the fuck up. You just like to get high. Just say it. It's okay, man. I did it. You know, I mean, until it didn't work anymore. Right. It just didn't work anymore. You know, and I think that's the fire service. It's the same thing. We do maladaptive behaviors till we're in a ditch and we wonder how the fuck did we get there? Well, we've been doing it wrong all along. And we just got to the point now where it's like, holy crap, what is this? Yep. No, I agree. And it usually what what occurs and unfortunately occurs is an LEDD for a department to realize, okay, we need to fix this. We need to change. But I will say on a positive note or a turn on the trend, individuals like you, uh, I'm pretty sure you know Basil, Ibrahim from Orlando. His one bad tour, and I'm going to say my opinion, I believe most smoke diver programs are are, are kind of doing that. They they You take the student, you tire them out, but it's not to, it's not a, phys, it's not, it's not to show who's strong muscular wise. It's to show who's strong up here because uh, yeah. I, I believe Fundamental. the acronym is, uh, uh, once the body goes, the mind will follow something of that. I'm paraphrasing, but those, uh, and any, and any fire department that does a hell night or a hell week for their recruits, I think they're starting to get it. So the, the, the trend yes. is there, but we have, uh, I'd say it's still a decent amount of departments that still don't get it. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story about smoke divers. Um, I talked to David. Rhodes, uh, David, uh, he's known as Smoke Daddy, one that brought Georgia smoke divers back. And um, I was doing a a class for Cobb County in Georgia. He calls me on the phone. You got to be careful with David if you don't know David. He's a freaking practical joker. He's a jokester, man. He likes his, he's got a sense of humor on him. And um, he he calls me and he goes, hey, man, he goes, "Uh, listen, I I got a couple boys from, you know, smoke divers program in in your class. And uh, I want you to challenge him. I'm like, what, do you, what, David, what, what are you talking about? He says, you know, just do your thing. You know, the, just teach your class, but just make sure you point out the smoke divers program. I was like, okay. I said, I, I know what you're saying. I got it. And um, so I'm doing the class and I ask, is there any smoke divers in there? Well, there's like four of them, right? They're not hard to spot. You know, I got the fucking hat that says smoke divers on it. They got the patch, you know, the fucking <laughs> neon sign in the background <laughs> and nobody's raising their hand. I'm like, okay. I said, well, look, you know, a lot of people think that smoke divers will make you a better fireman. I said, that's not true. This class will make you a better fireman. You want to test yourself? You want to find out what your weaknesses are? You go to smoke divers. They will expose that shit. And so these guys got all fidgety and shit. Start doing this right away, you know? And I left it. Next day, come into class because it was two-part. And um, <laughs> there are like eight of them now, you know? I'll stand up in the back like this, you know, and, and, uh, 
And David told me, he says, I'm going to be coming in. He said, I'm going to come in about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes late. I said, yeah, cool. No problem. So you can hear the elevator ding. And as I start to do my thing, I said, oh, so we seem to grow a little bit today, huh? You know, and, and, uh, you know, they're back there. And, 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 uh, I hear the elevator ding and I said, all right, listen, we got a late comer. Help me out. When he, when he walks in, let's clap for him. I said, it's not the welcome. It's just purely to embarrass him for being late and holding the fucking class up for everybody else. So they, I said, ready? And I start, I start clapping before David comes around the corner. David comes around the corner. Everybody starts fucking laughing, right? And he walks up to me and he goes, I can tell you exactly what time you told them about smoke divers in your class. He says, because they start texting me. And they're all back here going. And he goes, y'all think I didn't? He said, listen, he sat, let's put it this way. He, he knew he wanted, he, David's very, he'll lose huge. He will use humor. He's very methodical. He's an extremely intelligent man. And he sat and took three pages of notes and they started incorporating our breathing technique in smoke divers in Georgia. And, um, and it, and it is the truth. Smoke divers is a test. How have you prepared for the test? Because if you haven't prepared, you're going to fail miserably. Absolutely. A lot of people think it's physical. And it is. It's a very physical class. But the mental is where you're going to break down. If you have not trained and prepared yourself mentally, boy, you're in for, you in for a shock. You're in for a shock. And they will expose it. And they're very good at it. And it's not in a mean sort of way. It is exactly what needs to be done. And that's why men love and women love to go there and do that because they inherently want to be challenged. They want to know how good am I? Can I make it through this? You know, if they had a smoke divers two week class, people would sign up for it, you know? So that's my, that's my smoke divers story. It's, it was awesome. And, you know, many of my friends are smoke divers. Basil. I mean, you know, there's all these guys that they're, they're just, um, they're all, I get phone calls all the time. Matter of fact, David used to give my phone number to guys that would fail out of his class and they would come and take my class and go back, you know, yeah. and almost all of them would get through it. You know, um, there are some that just need more work than others. And I would, you know, after a while, they're beating their own ass so bad. I'm like, why are you doing this, man? Do you think that if you don't pass this, you're not a good fireman? I said, because let me tell you a story. The people that get accepted into the BUDS program is the top 1% of the top 10% in the country. And when they ring the bell and leave, they feel like they are utter failures. They're the top 1% of the top 10. Mm -hmm. I said, so don't think that this has any, any relevance to what you're bringing to the table you have just discovered something that you're not good at and you're mm -hmm. accustomed to being good at everything well you suck at this and you just need to take that weakness and develop it into a strength mm -hmm. and that's that's and you have to have smoke divers i i think it's great i get i wouldn't do it at my age but i did it when i was younger you know it was uh that was before florida did away with theirs we killed a couple people down here and um it's back though Right. It's back. I, I, right. I think it's back. Okay. Um, are you still teaching? Well, not you specifically, but 
if 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 a group or a department wants tactical resiliency training, is that still available to this day? Yes, it is. Um, so let me put this out there now so that people understand. You have 10 instructors and the instructors are everything, man. Um, I mean, the facility is just as important, but you got to have those two things. The instructors are important is because um, we never know what's going to unfold. And these guys are part fucking badass firemen. They're part bartender and part psychologist. Okay. So, the, and they're, they're comfortable recognizing and, and talking to people when they get to these points, because it's not allowing people to tap out. They got to complete. They have to complete. And then we'll come back and we'll discuss this, but you got to get through this, bro. You can't, you can't just fucking leave now. You can't, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. We're going to fuck. I'm going to, if I got to sit here and coach you all the way through it, you're going to complete it. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss it. And guess what happens next? We're going to go fucking back and do it again. Except this time you're going to be better at it, you know, and we continue to do that. So the instructor's important because of that. That's why there's 10 plus one, which is me. I'm the plus one. So then we need the facility. So we have to have a tower. We have to have a smoke building. We have to have a large area search a classroom that we can do AV in and then another room that we can use as a kitchen for the food and for the meals and, and all of that other stuff for them and bathroom facilities. And then you've got to, you've got to get all 10 instructors out there and we're there for four or five days. So you're buying us for five days, four days, and we have to build out. Then we do the class and then we do a decompression on the day after the class because the class runs 24 hours. We tell guys, go home, sleep, come back here, and we're going to go over everything. So when we do it for a department, it's typically their instructors. The maximum we could take is 20. However, we will take extra so they can shadow our instructors to see how it's done from the instructor's perspective so that the department gets the instructor's perspective and the student's perspective, right? And so, and then classroom, you fill however many you want, but the ones that are in the class and shadowing have to get the front seats. And then you could, however big you're, you got an auditorium, I don't give a shit, fill it, you know? And so that typically runs somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000. And so it's not cheap. Is it available? Yes. Do a lot of departments ask for it? Yes. Do a lot of us, a lot of them take it up? No. no. They see the $10,000, $15,000 price tag and they're like, no, wow. You know, and, and the other thing is they've got to buy the books before we go there and the students have to read the books, the, the developing tactical resilience, um, because it's what we cover. We cover everything in the book, everything that we do in the class, we take the stuff out of the book and we implement it. So what we're doing in our classes, we're showing you how to take the theory that we discuss in the book and actually implement it into creating the structure for transitional and transformational work. And, and that's, that's what it's foundational and transformational work. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we're available. Call me on my phone number. We'll 561-239-1908. And my email is surfdogs, the plural, S-U-R-F-D-O-G-S, followed by the number four at yahoo.com, surfdogs4 at yahoo.com. So we got that crap out of the way. Okay. Hey, uh, just so you know, uh, I don't know how many listeners I got, but you did just put out your, your cell phone number, so. I mean, I do it I, all the time, bro. I, I can phone don't never you. stop. <laughs> it don't never stop, bro. It don't okay. listen. A brother's suffering, a brother's hurting, or a brother wants to get better. Call me, motherfucker. That's why I'm here. That's that is I'm glad you brought that up. 
a lot of men, when they leave our career, including the military launch, they think they've lost their purpose. You haven't lost your purpose. Your purpose is servant leadership. It just changes direction. So this is the direction that mine went in. And I recognize that. Everybody goes a different way. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes a different way. You know, but you never lose that. If even if you are just a family guy, right? You're still serving leadership. You got children, you got friends, you got extended family, you've got grandkids, you've got all these that require your attention. I got a grandson that's coming back from uh from the military. And he was hoping to be here by Christmas, but he but he's not. And um so he's a little bummed about that. I'm like, man, suck it up, boy. I said, me and you, we going, we got some stuff to do at the farm in January. I got a place up in Georgia. And um, he's like, really? I go, yeah, man, we got, we got animals to hunt and eat. We got, we got, a, we got a shooting range. We got to clean up and use, and we're going to go riding and, you know, all kinds of stuff. I got a bush hog property. I said, we'll be busy, man. We're going to be doing some cool stuff. We're going to have a blast. And he's like, that's freaking great. I'm on it. And I'm like, all right. He needs that. Mm-hmm. I don't need his help. I can do all that shit on my own, you know, but he needs that. He's coming back and he's, he's got some, he's got some stuff on his mind, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, so, you know, as a father, as whatever, this is why I talk about God, because it's a much bigger purpose than anything I've ever thought about in my life, you know, much, much bigger, you know, all of us, all of us, it, it takes all of us, man. No, you're you know, right. You're, you're right. Which which leads us to this country. You black, white, Asian, male, female, whatever the you're identifying. What the fuck? Since when is being a human being or an American not enough? You know what? Maybe it's the way you're looking at it and the way we categorize it. Shit, right? right? Listen, we put our gear on. I don't know who the fuck I'm saving. I don't know, mm-hmm. even though can't tell who's working with me. Mm-hmm. As long as you can do the job, I don't care. And we have a job to do, and I don't care what or how many times or where they're at or where we're going. It's the same way in our society, but you know, exactly. we've got we've got we've got factions and movements that are trying to divide us. And I, you know, I see it. You know, I think other men see it, other women see it, other people see it. Um, but it, it needs to be said. You need to stop that shit. Grow the fuck up, man. You know, we're all in this together. Exactly. I don't give a shit who you are, race, color, creed. Exactly. I've always, I've always said that. I've said that in many other podcasts before. Firemen don't care the color, the race, your religion, your creed, as you said. All we care about is you can do the job, and when shit goes down, you got their back, they got your back, vice versa. I mean, it's it's the mission. that That's yep. all we care about. But, Amen. But like you said, they're breaking things down into categories. They're, you know, certain individuals are trying to divide people and it's crazy. It's, 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 it's crazy. But the one thing that doesn't change, and I'm not a huge, uh, so I I believe in God hundred percent. Uh, I'm just not a, I'm not very vocal about it because I've had some, uh, I've had some experiences with churches and things of that nature that it just didn't sit right with me. So I I 100% believe there's a higher power out there. I've seen it, the shit that I've seen that this person should have been dead and they weren't. And this person was dead and now they're alive. Like, I believe it. But um, 
I wholeheartedly agree. If you keep that one, if you keep that those three letters of G-O-D somewhere in your core, I, th- I think you'll be okay. We got a little simple saying, look up, look in, then look out. You know, you look up, I pray, I get right. I try to do the right thing because I'm not, I'm not a virtuous man. My, my first nature is fuck you, you know? Um, I am not a virtuous man, so I have to have, that's my everyday training. I look up and then I look inward. How am I going to accomplish this? What are your weaknesses? Because I'm a cheap sinner. And then I incorporate shit outward. Um, it, it's, uh, it's even better when, when your wife is on board with that and your family, it, it is, uh, it has a synergy to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that's the purpose for going to church. It's the synergy. And it's just like the fire service, you know, you got people that in church that they, they ain't the real deal. And it, it just like firemen, just like cops, just like the military, just like politicians, well, maybe all politicians. Um, you know, I don't, I, I'm just saying that they're, they're, the fallibility is human. It has nothing to do with the spiritual aspect. You can go ahead and curse God all you want for all the bad shit that happens. Okay. As long as you're giving them credit for all the good shit that's happened. Otherwise, shut up. You're a yeah. hypocrite. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And we always tend to, uh, well, not, I'm learning how to rephrase it. There, there are industries, individuals that, always want to shine the light on the bad stuff, but never on the good. Just like, uh, you know, the fire service, we focus on the LODDs, but we never celebrate our wins. And we have a lot of wins that go unnoticed because it's overshadowed by the bad, which is why in my personal opinion, I believe a lot of departments, a lot of departments do the, it's because it's always been the way it's been. It's because they don't want to shed light on, look at the good that your individuals do instead of focusing always on the negative. That bias is reinforced from one generation of firemen to the other. If it doesn't change at some point, it's always going to be reinforced. And it's uh, it's dangerous, man. It's dangerous because when you fall outside those parameters, you start questioning, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong or maybe you've done everything wrong up to this point. And you just, you know, the container starts to fill. So you think that it's the proper solution because your container is, you still got room, you know, but as your container fills and starts to overflow, what that thing you thought was working isn't working anymore, right? The foundation of my family. And then when that disappeared, everything started to crumble, but now I've got my faith and everything builds off that and I'm good. It's the same with resilience and and the topic to put it in context, the topic of what we're discussing today. Absolutely. Uh, I don't have, I mean, that I, this is pretty much what I wanted to hit. I know I had like a, you know, a list of questions I sent you, but like I said, we don't have to, it, I, I kind of dictate about how the conversation goes. So with that being said, I appreciate you a hundred percent for coming on and, and speaking, speaking on what you do, speaking of what you have done, the humility you have that this isn't your idea. You're just, you were able to collect information with a group of individuals and make it bigger than you and that you allow other people as long as they don't, as you quote, bastardize it, spread it out to people because we have so many, or there, there are a certain number of individuals who 
have a skill set, have a knowledge, don't want to share it. They want to keep it proprietary and that's not doing anything. It's not making the service better for anybody. No. You know, they're trying to make a buck, a name for themselves and a buck, quick buck. So it's about you, not about us. Absolutely. I, I, I just want to say, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It's my pleasure, man. Now you got to do me a favor. What's that? Over your right shoulder. There's a photo there. Tell me Uh, about that photo. uh, I got a couple. Which one? That one right there to your left. That's the boy. The one on the left. Yep. Okay. So this right here. What do you got, man? What's going on there? It's a, it's my dad. Yeah. 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 It's my dad. He was on a cruise ship and, uh, you know, so my, my, my mother passed away 10 years ago. Uh, she, she, she passed away from a, a lung cancer, never smoked or drank a day in her life. And, um, that I, I was, I was in the fire service then I, I had been for a while. And I will say, I don't know if it's because of the stuff that I've, I saw, but it, the way I dealt with it, I don't like my sister took it a hundred times harder than I did. And I don't know if it's because of the stuff we're exposed to with cancer patients, kids, death, you know, the stuff that we see, different types of calls, but I had to be there for my dad. And and he he will 100% admit that. Like I was his rock. I, I saw my dad get to a point where we were driving one time. Uh, we had to do, um, I'll never forget this. We were driving to the funeral um, parlor to finalize all the details. And I remember my dad driving and he had to pull over and he just started crying. Couldn't believe that he was having to go sign papers to pick out caskets, funeral arrangements. And I remember he looked over at me and I just kind of put my arm, I I, I reached out my arm and I put on his shoulder and I'm like, we'll be okay. Like, we'll be okay. And I mean, of course I cried, no doubt. It's it's your mom. I mean, if you don't cry for your mom, then fuck, you're not human. Like, it's your mom. But it, it made me, it made me stronger in a way, seeing that all, you know, the experience of, I, I watched her ups and downs, two rounds of, uh, or I don't know how many rounds, but she, uh, she, she went into remission and we thought we were good, but it came back and she, she just couldn't do it anymore. She, she had enough. She was like, I'm tired. I I don't want to fight this. So, you know, she, she went away, but, um, I believe that being around what I've been around since I was 18 made me deal with it and see it from a different perspective. Now I will say there was a period where I was mad at God. I will admit that a hundred percent. Like I, I wonder why, but then this is how I rationalize things. Anytime things don't go my way, whether it's, I don't get a promotion or I lose a friend or a so-called friend or, um, uh, I, I, I want to obtain something and fail. I look at it as I can't, I can't, I don't dwell on it because there are many other people out there who have suffered worse, if not more than me. That's just how I deal with failure. So yeah, I just have pictures of my dad, mom, uh, family members and, and, and things of that nature behind me. That's awesome. I, uh, so let me, let me share something with you. Um, when, uh, when my mom passed, um, you know, everybody was 
my mom was a savage, bro. She didn't eat solid food for six years, you know, and um, she was uh, she was just a very strong woman. And um, but she had checked out a while before that. And so it, it was a uh, it was it was a relief when she passed. It was like she's no longer suffering, mm-hmm. you know. My dad, on the other hand, um, when he passed um, at his funeral, he used to uh, used to play poker with these guys. So we had decks of cards out at the at the funeral on the tables, right? And um, and they were coming in. They're like, "Oh man, this is terrible." This and that. And I'm like, "Ah, listen, that might be terrible at your funeral, but my dad's going home to be with moms." I said, "Moms is there with the rest of her family." I said, you don't need to be able to feel bad for him. I promise you, he's looking at you right now, feeling bad for, for us because we're still stuck here. I said, now go sit down at the table and go play, play a couple hands of poker, you know? And, and that was the perspective. And my, we spoke about that with, I spoke about that with the kids are like, dad, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't cry until after the fact when everything, when I was able to sit down alone and pro- I had to fly to, I was going to, uh, to teach at Metro Atlanta fire conference. And so I got to my cabin a couple days early and I was just sitting down on the porch, smoking a cigar and you know, the wave of emotions comes over you. So I will agree with you that if you suppress your emotions, you're doing something that's really bad for you. You have to let those emotions out. That is part of the human experience. Contrary to anything you've ever heard before. Emotions have a big deal in allowing uh, toxins and memories that we keep, not just in our memory, but in our body, because the body keeps score, score too, just like that book says, the body keeps score. So emotions is a way to be able to wash that. It's a natural way to be able to wash that out. It's it's specific to human beings only. We are designed for this, you know? And then my faith helps me with when people die to be able to recognize that you know, my dad, when that happened to my mom, he got lonely. And that, mm-hmm. that to me, just like what you told me about your dad is an example of how deeply people love. And when you remove something like that, that's so important you have to look introspectively and go, am I doing that? Will I miss someone like that, that greatly? Because that's a beautiful thing. You know, we call it, you know, the gift of suffering, the gift of sacrifice, you know, things like that. And there's always a learning in all of that. So I'm hearing that. I'm like, man, your pops loved your mom, you know, just like mine did, you know, and, and I, I explained it like that and they're like i never thought about it like that i said i didn't either and it was just tragedy after tragedy at work looking at it and then one day there was a shift and i was like why are they like that and i was like because they miss them and i was like yeah i can i get that you know and and so it, it allowed me permission to go ahead and and i don't view death as something so tragic anymore whether it's self-imposed or it just happens naturally, mm-hmm. you know, I really don't look at it like that. I look at it like, all right, that, uh, you know, I get it. And it, it's not about me, you know, and, and if you want to hold that up, 
and you're going to go get drunk and all this other stuff, you're making it about you, you know, and, 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 and you're, you're taking the memory of somebody and you're, you're, you're making it sound like at least you got to experience those memories, but you're making it sound like this happened to you and it didn't happen to you. Nobody gets out of here alive, bro. What the fuck? What I watched my dad go through when he retired, he worked well into his seventies because he loved it, you know? And um, when he retired, the plan was travel and take it easy. And this that lasted like four years. And then old age set in, shit started falling apart. They got limited. They couldn't do anything. And it's almost like this brilliant man that I love had not prepared for this period of time in their life. So the lesson in that for me was get ready, boy, it's coming. So I'm, I'm tearing it up, bro. My brothers are like, man, what is your burn rate when it comes to your retirement, your investments and stuff? I said, it don't matter. My kids are taken care of and I'm going to live and make memories. We're going to do things, you know, and take advantage of it. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, the fire services provided me a very, very good life in many different ways, not just financially mm-hmm. perspective wise. I mean, look at, look at the bonds that we've developed with the men and women that we work with, you know, you don't, you don't get that working at Costco, bro. You know, yeah. you yeah. don't, you can be the best bag boy in the goddamn world at Publix, you know, that's and nice. it just it ain't going to happen, you know, yeah. uh, military law enforcement. And that's why it hits us so hard when we leave and why we think we lost our purpose. Cause we feel like we've lost that bond. But you've learned how to create that bond. Now you've got to go out into the world and create it in different areas, in different ways with different people. You know, um, thank you for sharing that story. That was very, very, very powerful. I no, thank that. no, you're, you're you're welcome, man. Thank you for sharing that part because I hundred percent wholeheartedly believe there there are some firemen out there who think that the job revolves around them. And it's just a matter of time when your time is up, you've got your years in and you retire. Hopefully you're not retiring into walking into an empty home or apartment. Like you have to have something besides this job. You have right. to. I mean, right. they're, 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 I used to think I was invincible and I'm 38 and you realize the older you get, the body takes a toll. Things begin to hurt. <laughs> Things does, of that bro. nature. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I I'm glad that the way you said it, hopefully it'll click that maybe that that individual needs to get their shit together regarding retirement because it's it we're, we're only here on borrowed time. Fire service will continue to operate well after you leave. Thank you for your service. Next day, somebody's there to replace your ass. So that's right. It's, it's, cold, a, it's a hard, cold hearted truth. We're a little cog in this giant machine. Absolutely. And- and I, you can make the greatest of impacts, but one day you will be an afterthought and you will be a name that nobody could put a face to. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You served your purpose for why you were there. Now, what's the rest of your purpose look like? How are you going to implement that in the rest of your life? Ain't about playing golf, going surfing every day and hiking and that shit. Fuck six months later. I'm like, I'm tired of that, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's, it's, um, it's the internal work, bro. It's the internal work, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Your pop's like, still around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, he Tell him uh, I lives... said hello and give him a big old hug for me. 
he lives like 30 minutes away from here. He got remarried, uh, a, a, a wonderful woman. He's, he's doing good. Um, just living his life, but it's, it's, it's the things that it's life, you know, that's, that's, that's right. That's, that's what life is. There's going to be ups, downs, joys, pains, uh, death, uh, you know, individuals being born. It's, it's all comes full circle. So um, everybody thinks you're supposed to be comfortable and when bad shit happens, cause you did something wrong. Guess what? No, no. Life is about sacrifice. Life is, is hard work. Life is sadness. Life is hard fucking dirty, sweaty work, painful. It's about overcoming tragedy. It's about all of that. And it's interrupted by moments of comfort and joy, you know, and, and you get, you appreciate the comfort and joy because you survived all this other stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like I said, Rick, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure people are gonna, are gonna talk about this one, about this episode. So thank you very much. My pleasure, brother. God bless you, man. You, you too, sir. See y'all. <laughs> if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented hard-working humble passionate and professional regardless of rank career or volunteer contact me at student of the game fire podcast at gmail.com until next time stay focused stay committed and stay safe